Thanks for listening to The Real Life Podcast. If you live in the Erie area, we invite you to join us in person on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. or live on Facebook and YouTube by searching Real Life Assembly. Now, here's this week's message. Maybe don't know me. My name is Jocelyn Grove. I am the service coordinator here at Real Life, so I kind of oversee all of the happenings uh, that take place here in the sanctuary on a weekly basis. Um, I also happen to be the youngest of the Grove family, so Pastor Jim and Debbie are mom and dad to me. Uh, I'm going to say hi to them right now. Hi, mom and dad, (laughs) if you're watching on the live stream. uh, I get to say whatever I want because you're not here, right? (laughs) That's how this works, right? Oh, man, but I I really am so excited um, to be doing this. I mean, this really is, this is new for me. This wasn't ever really on my plan, uh, but I'm so excited. I don't really feel nervous because I feel like I'm just in a room full of my friends and my family. Uh, That's what real life is to me. I have grown up in this building. I've grown up in this room. So a lot of like first experiences here. So many of you were present for all of them. You've known punky 12-year-old Jocelyn, who was so mad to move (laughs) to town. Those of you that knew me back then, like, you know I was so mad to be here. But uh, now here I am, 27, and doing this. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, It's such an honor. Really, it is. It's, it's such an honor to, to be here. Uh, I led worship for the very first time as a 13-year-old on this stage, which is wild to think. I uh, felt my call to ministry in this room. Actually, like David and Andrea, right where you guys are sitting is where I was the moment that I felt the Lord call me into ministry and just kind of catapult me into the life that I have now and, and what I'm doing. So this is such a blessing for me. I do not feel like I deserve this at all. So I'm so thankful to my parents and for all of you for, for believing in me and for supporting me all of these years. And uh, we're going to do this thing. <laughs> How does that sound? <laughs> I'm excited. But my one request today, please, I'm begging you, do not get quiet on me, Okay. We are family. We are friends. I want to hear your voices today. I don't feel nervous, but if you get quiet, I might get nervous. So please don't do that to me. I feel good. Let's just like ride that wave together. Does that sound good? Awesome. Thank you guys so much. Okay. Well, let's dive in, shall we? So, Pastor Jim kicked off our new series last Sunday entitled The Choice. I believe it's probably on the screen behind me. Yes, way to go, Jim. Um, you're also going to see on right below that really the backbone of our, our, this series that we'll be in for like the next two months, and that is this, that direction, not intention, leads to our destination, So we're going to dive a little bit more today into what that means for us, what that means for our lives, uh, how we can decipher and distinguish the direction that is best, uh, how to hear the voice of God, what can we put in place in order to get to the destination that God has intended for us, because God's way is the best way. Amen? Amen. Okay, I do have a question. Does anybody remember the question that Pastor Jim asked us at the beginning of his sermon last week. This is a pop quiz. Does anybody remember? I know, it probably has to like take a minute. He gave us an example of something. Anybody, that's okay. I'm gonna tell you. 
okay? You get a pass today. So he asked us if we had ever had an I told you so moment in our lives before. Does that sound familiar? A little bit? Yes, I'm seeing some heads nod. Good, okay. He gave us the example of a GPS in our car or our phone, right? Does this, is this kind of, yeah, okay, all right, we're there. So sometimes, not that it's always the guys, but sometimes guys think whatever the GPS is saying to do, I definitely know a better way. Does anybody know a man that is like that? I know my dad, I love you so much, but you are kind of like that. <laughs> I love it. Uh, we are not perfect, but we are on our way. Um, so I have another question kind of similar to that for you this morning, and that is this. Have you ever had an I told you so moment in your life? Okay, that we, how about a crash and burn moment? Or like when I was a kid, we said uh, a fail. Anybody, have a fail moment. Doesn't have to be, okay, thank you, John, I got one hand. So other than me, one other person has crashed and burned. Thank you, I'm not alone. <laughs> okay, so it could be like some activity, it could be, you know, maybe like a decision that we made that we thought was gonna go like really well. Short 27 years, it didn't. Uh, I have made my fair share of those in my short 27 years of life. Um, but of all of those moments, I have one that rings and just burns the brightest in my mind. And I'm going to tell you about it right after your phone call. <laughs> just kidding. I'm so sorry. I love you, whoever you were. <laughs> That's so good. I always wondered what it's like to have that happen, so now I know. Uh, no worries. No worries at all. Um, so I'm going to tell you about the one that rings the most like embarrassing or like after all these years uh, when I was in high school. So we moved into town when I was in eighth grade. So by the time I moved to McDowell, which if you don't know is like massive, um, I didn't really know a lot of people. I didn't have a ton of friends and you go into a school of that size and all of your teachers or like, you know, the parents or your guidance counselor is like the best way for you to get involved or to make friends is to do extracurriculars, right? And I think that's still true today. I mean, that's like an easy way to meet people. Unfortunately for me, I didn't really have any like surprise skills of like any sports in my back pocket. Like where I moved from, I just had the friends that I had because we grew up together. I didn't really have to like do any sports. So now I'm 13 in McDowell and thinking like, oh gosh, okay, now I have to find a sport in order to make friends. Awesome. Uh, or at least that's like what it seemed like to me. So right off the bat, I'm like, okay, uh, when I was like in fourth grade, I tried cheerleading didn't stick. I tried basketball for like five minutes, didn't like it. Um, I know if my dad were in the room, he'd be like, but if you just applied yourself, maybe I'd be a basketball star. I doubt it, but thanks, dad. He always tells me that. Uh, so I'm kind of starting to like panic because I'm like, shoot, I don't really have any, like, I'm not a math genius. Like, I don't know what I bring to the table. But of all the sports, there is one that you do not have to try out for. Does anybody know what that is? <laughs> Thank you, yes, I was hoping. So track and field, uh, you can pretty much just walk in and like start running or start jumping. And uh, so I joined the track team because I didn't wanna have to try out for anything and I knew I wouldn't make a team if I had to do that. So I joined the track team, but I gave running uh, like one chance, hated it. 
I don't know how people run. Honestly, if I had to run for my life, I'd be dead. I literally would be dead. It's not for me. So I passed on running. So now what do I have? I've got javelin. I've got shot put. I've got long jump. I decided to go with really maybe to a 13-year-old, the most easy or, or the most, like the best one to understand, pole vaulting. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I hated running, but surely if you put just a massive heavy pole in my hand and tell me to run and jump over another pole, I could do that for sure. Like that's what my little tiny brain thought. So I joined the pole vaulting team. Some of you that are in the room bear witness to this so you know that this is the truth. I immediately realize I've made a huge mistake, but I am way too scared to quit because the coach is terrifying and all of the upperclassmen are terrifying. So I'm thinking, okay, you made this bed, now you have to lie in it. So I go to a meet, I go to another meet. Uh, I do not clear a single bar at all. And I mean, I am just like in tears begging my parents to like relieve me of this pain. Why did I do this? But it was what it was. So I make it through a couple, maybe a month, maybe two months, I can't totally remember. One day, we're at a practice, okay? The coach is like, we're gonna sharpen our skills. Those of you that have not cleared a bar yet, you're gonna do it, I'm gonna teach you how. And remember, now all of the people that are on this team, at least older than me, they have been pole vaulting every summer for like three or four years. Like they're, they're going to camps, like they're doing this year round. And there's like two of us on the team that like can't even con- feel in it. Like they're so mad that I am there. So we're trying, they're like, okay, we're going we're gonna to like sharpen our skills. So we're just running in the gym, just back and forth, trying to work on our technique of like how to run and hold the pole and throw our bodies all at the same time. Makes no sense. I don't know who came up with that. I don't understand at all. And I'm telling you what, one minute I'm running, full speed. The next minute, I don't know what happens, but I am flat out on the ground. Pole goes flying my ankle is in like searing pain, and when I look down, it's immediately the size of a golf ball. So my pole vaulting career came to a crashing burn moment right then and there in the gym. That was it for me. I had to like shamelessly, I sprained my ankle, I'm on crutches for like two weeks, so now I'm that freshman that's like, I have to leave class five minutes early because I have to get to the elevator with my crutches. I mean like, boy, did this backfire on me big time. Now, as an adult, I look back at that moment and I try to put myself in my parents' shoes, okay? I imagine their child coming home, me, not just any child, but me. Those of you who know me, surely you would react the same way if I came home to you and was like, I want a pole vault. I'm sure my parents knew that that was most likely not the move and I probably would not be all that successful at it. Now, sure, if I super duper applied myself and I went to those camps and I did all of that after school training, maybe, I mean, who's to say not, but just knowing me as a person, chances are that's probably not going to happen. But my parents probably also knew that if they tried to tell me that, I would just do it even harder. Like I'm gonna be a professional pole vaulter, I'm gonna prove them wrong. So they didn't say anything right? Have, have anybody, any of you ever had a moment like that? Parents, do you feel me? I'm not a parent myself, but I'm sure you have those moments with your kids. You're like, all right, like I tried to tell you, but we just dig our feet into the ground, right? That's the thing. All of us, we have this 
innate ability for choosing paths that do not lead in the direction that we should be going in. Not all of the time, but it's in us. It's just a part of our human nature. We can't help it. We struggle to connect the dots between the choices that we're making and the outcomes that they create, right? You know, like in our minds, it makes sense. In my mind, I'm like, I need friends or I need to do something with all of my spare time and 85% of my class is doing track and field, so I'm gonna do that and I'm gonna join the pole vaulting team. And to me, it made sense. That was the path that I chose and whether or not it was going to work or not, I was doing that. But I couldn't see all of the potential hazards in between and really the waste of time that was going to, I mean, other than the hilarious stories and blackmail pictures that I know my dad has somewhere of me in a full track suit just like running with a pole in my hands, oh my gosh. If I could burn his iPhone, I would because <laughs> I know that they're still on there, I've seen them. Man, I don't know what it is about like that part of us that just like we desire to do things our way or even more than that, culture or society now more than ever is selling us this notion that as long as you have a good heart or you have good intentions or this one, this is a popular one that like the kids these days are saying, just live your truth if you just live your truth, have you heard this? Yeah, listen, I'm not like on TikTok, so I don't know all the cool things that kids are saying, but I do hear that one come up quite a bit. If you just live your truth, do your thing, doesn't matter what path you choose, you're gonna win. It's your choice. But as believers, as those that know Christ, we know that that could not be farther from the truth, right? So listen, I could stand up here and I could tell you that in my own personal opinion on that all day. I'm not going to do that. We're going to look to the Bible. So if you have your Bible with you, uh, we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 7. If you do not have your Bible, why? Just kidding. We're going to put it on the screen. Don't you worry. I'm not yelling at you. I love you so much. We're going to put it all on the screen, uh, but we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 7, starting at verse 6 today, okay? Uh, we're hearing about a story from the perspective of King Solomon. Who's heard of King Solomon? Give me a wave, wake up, stay with me. Thank you, this side of the room's with me, this side I'm praying for. Uh, Google King Solomon. There's a lot of fun things you can learn about him, wisest man to ever live, all that jazz. Okay, uh, so we're gonna be hearing a story from the perspective of King Solomon about a young man and what he's witnessing him do, okay? So Proverbs 7, we're starting at verse six. This is called Warning Against the Adulteress. He says, at the window of my house, I looked down through the lattice. I saw among the simple, and I noticed among the young men, a youth who had no sense. Ouch. Another translation, another translation says, a youth who lacked judgment. What a roast was my first thought when I read that. So essentially, King Solomon is just like chilling, watching what's going on in the street below him, right? And he just sees among the youths this young man that just looks dumb. Yikes. Now, why does he think that? I mean, he doesn't know this man. As far as we know, he doesn't know this kid personally. But why does King Solomon know that this young man lacks judgment? I'm going to tell you. It's a simple answer. Because all young people lack judgment. It's not mean. It's not to be a roast. It's just the truth. 
in order for judgment to develop in the brain, there are two things that we need, time and experience. So just biologically, young people don't have enough time or have enough experience under their belt to develop good reasoning skills, produce good judgment. Strike around that. I want to say that can produce good judgment uh, and almost like imagine like an asterisk around that because while us adults that are in the room, you can say amen, we might be older, but it does not guarantee us that we're going to have good judgment. It is what it is. We're always, we're not perfect people, so we're going to make mistakes, but it does certainly help. Now, studies have shown that the brain the frontal lobe of our brain, does not fully develop until our mid-20s. So, the frontal lobe is where, you guessed it, our reasoning skills develop. So this kind of explains why maybe the young people in your life, maybe your teenagers, they like to do those like high-risk moments, like don't think, just do, right? Who's with me? Or maybe went through that phase. I didn't totally do that, but we've all kind of had our moments. We struggle, like I said, to make connections between the choices that we're making and then the outcomes that they can create. Now, I'm telling you this because it's important to our story and understanding why Solomon is looking at this young man the way that he is, okay? Awesome. We're going to keep reading, starting at verse 8. So he, the young man, was going down the street near her corner. Who is her? We're going to find out. Stay with me. After the break, no. (laughs) Uh, Walking along in the direction of her house at twilight as the day was fading and as the night was setting in. Okay, so let's set the stage. So King Solomon is watching this kid. The sun is starting to set. I'm guessing it's probably Friday night. He's feeling good and he's on his way to a woman's house. Thank you. You do not have to be a genius or a Bible scholar to figure out where this story is going. But Solomon, he's stressing. He knows from experience that the path that this kid is on is not good. Why does he know? What do we know about King Solomon? Yes, he was the wisest man to ever live. He also had like the most wives and concubines in recorded biblical history. So my man has been down this road. He knows what's about to happen. He knows who this woman is, who he's going to. Isn't it funny how the people around us can see so clearly when we're headed in the wrong direction? But those of us that are walking the path have no idea. We are just like yellow brick road. I'm, I am killing it. I know where I'm going. Mind your business. I got this. It's wild. We've all been there. It's not a question of like, oh, yeah, no, you're right. Young people, like they always do that. No, we all have moments like that in our lives. Let's keep reading. We're going to go to uh, uh, verse 10. So then out came a woman to meet him dressed like a prostitute, Uh uh-oh, and with crafty intent. Yikes. She is unruly and defiant. Her feet never stay at home. Now in the street, now in the squares, at every corner, she lurks. Verse 13. She took hold of him and kissed him. And with a brazen face, she said, Today I fulfilled my vows. I have food from my fellowship offering at home. So I came to meet you. 
I looked for you, and I have found you. Okay, a lot's happening. We're going to break down those last two verses because the first time I read it, I had no idea what it meant. So we're going to walk through it together. First up, what is a fellowship offering? What does she mean when she says this? Essentially, she's saying, look, I'm not a prostitute. My husband, he makes good money. I've got a nice house. Look around. Look where you are. I am not after you for your money. I just want you. So it's not exactly like the better option, but she's clarifying, I'm in this because of my own choice. I'm after this for my own volition. I want you. Then she says, today I fulfilled my vows. So here, she's implying, I went to church, I went to temple, I squared everything up with God. I'm good. So I just imagine her like walking up to the altar with this like big sin bucket and just like walks up there, dumps it out. Okay, I'm empty. Now I'm heading back and I'm ready to fill it up with this kid. Yikes. Now I think that there are some similarities here in how this woman is approaching religion to how some of us can sometimes approach our relationship with the Lord when it comes to our sins. Let's think about, uh, just for example, the Catholic Church. What do Catholics do or where do they go to confess their sins? Confession, right, a confessional. So they go, they spill all of their sins, they get absolved, and they're able to just you know, walk off. That's, that's a part of what they do. So, so we, uh, the Protestant church, we don't go to a confessional. We kind of skip over that part, right? Instead, we go right to the source. We go to God with our prayers, and, and we pray something like, Dear Heavenly Father, forgive me of all of my sins, right? And then I think some of us, maybe not all, but some of us imagine God just pulling out this big, just eraser and being like, yep, you got it. Wiping it away. Thanks. See you next week. And we walk off. But like the woman in this story, sometimes we are quick to ask for forgiveness, but slow to actually repent and walk away from the sin. It's a sin cycle. I'm not saying we're all like this. Please hear me. But we are imperfect. So whether you believe it about yourself now or not, chances are at one time or another, you've been in a sin cycle. So we know what our, we know what our, like, our, our crux is, okay? Maybe it's gossip. Maybe it's mishandling our money. Maybe it's our words. Maybe it's the way that we talk to our husband or our spouse. Maybe it's a sexual sin. There's so many things, so many examples that it could be. We all have that like one that's just always, we're, it's our go-to, right? Everyone's different. So we go to God, you know, like I just like, just went on like a, you know, bender with my girlfriends and just roasted everybody that I know and just talked garbage with them. But then I went home and I was like, darn, I shouldn't have done that. God, that wasn't right. So I go and I'm like, hey God, I'm sorry. I, I, I did it again. You know me. Please forgive me. I, I, I'm done now. I'm really, I'm done oh man, can you believe that song that they did on Sunday? I'm so sick and tired. And it just, it's a cycle. We, we fall into it. Why? Because there's a difference between repentance and just saying, I'm sorry. Parents, 
again, I'm not a parent, but I hear, I have a lot of parent friends. I hear this a lot. You've ever had a moment with your kid where like, they just keep doing the same thing and then they get caught and they come back and they're crying like, I'm sorry. And finally, mom or dad is like, stop saying you're sorry because you don't mean it. You're saying you're sorry and then you're going right back into the living room and you're smacking your little brother upside the head or you're ripping that toy out of your sister's hand. So quit saying it. I don't want to hear it, right? So why do we approach God like this? And he's such a good father and he might not always, he doesn't say it to us all the time, but we know better. It's a cycle. It's a habit that we have to break Full repentance, it's not always going to be perfect. I get that, we know that. But there are action steps that we can take, things that we can do in our lives to do the best we can to separate ourselves from that sin or those sins that just keep bringing us back, keep holding us back. Father, help us to break free of that. Help us to let go of those chains so that we can live in freedom. And even when we mess up, that I can fully repent. I can fully lay it at your feet. Let's keep reading. Verse 16. So this is the woman. She says, I have covered my bed with colored linens from Egypt. I've perfumed it with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. So come and let's drink of love till morning. Then she reminds him, my husband is not here. He's gone on a long journey. He took his purse filled with money and will not be home until full moon. Okay, so hook, line, sinker. This kid is like, this is the best thing that could possibly be happening to me. What we're hearing is husband's out of town for the weekend so I can like hang out as long as I want. We can make breakfast in the morning, maybe watch a little TV. I don't have to rush out of here. That's all he's seeing. He's only seeing success. He's only seeing the win in this. Meanwhile, Solomon is still watching this whole thing go down. He's seeing it in an entirely different light, and he's going to share it with us. So let's read his take. Verse 21. With persuasive words, she led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk. And all at once, he followed her like an ox going to the slaughter, like a deer stepping into a noose till an arrow pierces his liver. And if you didn't understand the first two, we've got a third, like a bird darting into a snare, little knowing that this will cost him his life. So I read that for the first time, and I immediately took this woman and this young man off the table and I saw myself, I saw us. The enemy, had, we're at our worst, we're most vulnerable. Listen, we serve a big God, we serve a mighty God, but we cannot deny, church, we have to be smart now more than ever. There is an enemy who wants to destroy us, that knows our weakness. And if we're not careful, if we're not equipped, if we are not grounded, if we're not in church, if we're not connected to the body, if we are not in prayer, if we are not in our word, you better look alive because they're waiting to take us out. I saw myself in this. Truly, I read that for the first time and I dropped to my knees. I thought, God, that, that's me. That's us. I've been there. 
I am like an ox being led to the slaughter. I know all the right things. But if I'm not careful, I'm headed down a path of destruction. It just is what it is. The road to Christianity is not a glamorous one. We know this. It's not cool to be a Christian. I think we, we do the best that we can to make it cool, and we have the lights, and we have the upbeat songs, but really, at the core of what Christianity is, it's not all that cool. It's not the glamorous option. It's a hard one to choose. We know it's the best one because we know what's at the end of that road, but society and, and culture around us, social media, the news, all of these things, they paint a cool picture, an easier route. We don't want to walk the hard road. We want to find a way around it. You might try. I might try. You might make it work. Chances are we won't. It's only going to delay our trip. It's only going to make being solid a lot more difficult for us. Imagine being Solomon in this moment. Imagine in real time watching this go down. Honestly, I think we all can. I mean, parents, have you ever had an experience with your children where you're watching them knowingly going down the wrong path and there's nothing you can seemingly figure out to do about it? You're just watching hopelessly. What about maybe a friend or a family member that's confiding in, to you about relationship woes or marriage woes, and you're hearing about what's happening or what's taking place, and you're sitting there and you're just thinking, man, this is going to end one way, and chances are it's probably going to be in heartbreak. It's like such a frustrating place to be, right? We've been there. We've, we've been on the other side of that coffee table and listened to a friend or a loved one just spill that out, and, they don't, and you're looking at them and you're like, they don't see it. Like, but I'll be different. I won't do, I, I'm going to make it out of this okay. No. So now, this is our final part. Solomon turns his narrative to the broader audience, a.k.a. you and me. We're going to read verse 24. This is what he says. Now then, my sons, listen to me. Pay attention to what I say. Do not let your heart turn to her ways or stray into her paths. Many are the victims that she has brought down. Her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is a highway to the grave leading down to the chambers of death. Okay, so that was pretty straightforward, right? Many are the victims. This kid's not special. He is not the first to walk into this house. He will not be the last. But the enemy has a way of convincing us that we're the exception to our sins. I know for, you know, the other chump before me, like it did not end well, but I'm different. I'm going to be different. It's quiet in here because we've all been there, myself included. I'm telling you, Breaking news, we're not different. It's a hard road to get sucked down, and it's really, really, really hard to claw your way back. 
let's go back to a statement that I said right at the very beginning. We all have this innate ability for choosing paths that do not lead in the direction that we should be going in. Now, that's not all of the time. We have goals. We have good intentions, right? None of us ever walk into a situation fully planning on just blowing it, obviously. But having a plan or being good intentioned isn't always enough. I have a couple of examples for us this morning. Let's say a single woman says, I want to meet and one day marry a great Christian guy. Can I get an amen? I am there with this woman. <laughs> Send him, Lord, uh, that really loves God, has his life together. That's a great plan. That's a great goal to have, right? Right? Thank you. Thank you. But... She dates literally anybody that asks her out. <laughs> Thank you, Steph. Doesn't matter if he's a Christian. I don't really know if he goes to church. He believes in a higher power. Yikes. But he's cute. It's a good intention, right? It's a good goal to have. I have it. A lot of us have that. But it takes more than just like, throwing a quarter in the fountain and like hoping that it works out okay. No, there's work, there's action. Moms might say, I want a great relationship with my husband. I want to be closer to him. Good goal. But she consistently prioritizes the kids and their needs over the husband. It's a good goal to have, but where's the action? Guys, you're not off the hook. You're up next. I want my children, dads might say, I want my children to respect me as I grow up. Of course. That's a great goal to have. But every time he comes home from work, he's checked out. He goes straight to his room, turns on the TV, shuts the office door. It's a good intention, but where's the work? Parents, We'd like our children to develop a personal relationship with God. And not just that, but have friends around them that believe the same things. Amen. We want that. I want that for my future children. But maybe we skip church. Maybe not every weekend. Maybe I'm like a bi-weekly kind of attender. Instead, we're going to go to the beach, or we're going to go to the lake, or we're going to go camping, we're going to go to a sporting event. Listen, we are all there, okay? I am not preaching this at you. But we acknowledge that it happens, right? We're not terrible people, okay? I'm not slapping you on the wrist, but we are identifying what is happening in our lives. There's no hiding it. I'm not here to make you feel good. We're just going to talk about it and, and call it out. Last one, and then I'm done. This is all of us. We say, I want to develop a deep and lasting intimacy with God. Right? I want that. Hopefully you want that. But first thing in the morning, what do I open? I open Facebook. I uh, turn on the news. I look to Instagram and to Twitter and, and all these other outlets. That's the first thing that my brain sees. Not my Bible, not a devotional, not quiet time, worship music with the Lord. Maybe sometimes, hey, I did it once, three months ago, I'm good. No, 
It's a lifestyle. It's a relationship. It's not like a, hey, Jesus, I'll see you in a couple months. Thank you for dying for me and giving me a second chance. No. We are constantly acknowledging it, or at least we should be. The list, man, they go on and on, and I know we can all identify with one of these scenarios, if not more. I know I do. But like the young man in Solomon's story, the paths that we choose have the potential to bring us in an entirely different destination than the one that we intended. And before we get too ahead of ourselves, if you're hearing these words, and you're thinking, this is, this is a good word. You know, Joe Schmo in the third row, he really needs to hear this. He really needs this word. Careful. Chances are, if we're saying that, it's going right over our heads because we need it. I need it. I'm not walking on cloud nine. I'm not killing it 24-7. I, me, truly. So I have questions. Are there disconnects in your life? Think about it. Are there disconnects in your life? Can you identify them? Are there discrepancies between what you desire in your heart and what you are doing with your life? Is there alignment between your intentions and your directions? Direction is everything. Direction determines our destination. That is literally what this entire series is founded on. And this is why we cannot afford to live disconnected lives. We can't, whether they were believers or were not, maybe you're newer to faith, we are not designed to do life alone. That is not a happy, fun little saying that I'm throwing at you. That is the truth. God did not design us to do this alone. That is why we have the church. The church of God is the hope of the world. And we're in it. We're in it right now. What a gift this is. Take a second. And think about that. Just the fact that I get to freely be in the house of God is a gift. I take advantage of that. I take that too lightly. We take that too lightly sometimes. We cannot afford to be disconnected now more than ever. So I'm going to step on my life group soapbox and no one's going to complain about it for like two minutes I know I'm on staff. I know you guys hear about life groups all the time or all these various ways to get involved. I'm not doing it because it's my job. I'm doing it because I believe in it. I'm doing it because I have seen with my own eyes the transformation process that a person or a couple goes through when they are connected to the body of believers. And you all have too. Maybe that's you at one time in your life or another. A life group is what did it for you. Maybe it's not a literal life group that we're offering right now. Those are great. They kicked off last week. If you're in a life group, give me like a little wave. Yes. Oh, good. I love it. There's so many of you. Awesome. It's okay if you're not. I'm not life group shaming you. I understand that life is busy. There are genuine reasons why 
the 13 or 14 life groups that we have just aren't going to work for your schedule. I completely get that. I'm serious. Don't laugh at me. <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> I completely understand it. We get it. But that doesn't mean that you can't invite somebody over to your house for dinner here and there or go out to dinner, or maybe get out of your pew and go say hi to a different person than the same seven that you say hi to every single week. Are you with me? There's opportunities around us all of the time. Why are the people in this room, or the people on the live stream, wherever you are, there you are, always going to be easy? Paths are going to be laid in front of us that are hard to decipher. So when those moments come, who are the people that you are going to for help and for direction? That is going to play a huge role in the direction that you choose to take. Now, I don't know about you, but I want people around me who love God so much, who I am doing life with regularly. If I'm going through it, I'm calling Tori. Tori's known me since I was a kid. We're going through life together. I trust her wisdom. I trust her words. I know she's going to shoot it to me straight. Do you have that person? Maybe it's not somebody in this room. That is okay. But do you have those people in your life that are connected to God, that understand the word, that know the truths of the teachings around you, that when life gets tough or you're facing those key moments in your life. We can't rely on like, I got this, I, I can figure it out, I'm smart. What does that have to do with our eternity? It doesn't. We have to be connected to one another. And look, Obviously, those of you who really know me, you know I'm passionate about this topic. I could talk about it all day long, but I'll stop. Instead, let's look at scripture together. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11. It's on the screen. Encourage one another and build each other up. I mean, what else is there to say? There it is, right? It's good. It's a good reminder. Ephesians 4, 29. Oof, man, this one gets me. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And we all said, ouch. Listen. There's no reason to get all up and, and upset about it. None of us are perfect. We all do that. We're family, okay? Loosen up. It's okay. We're all going to do those things. This is why we have this. This is a weapon. It's not just something cute that we have on our coffee table or an aesthetically pleasing app or Instagram post. Hello, somebody. It's a weapon. It is truth. There's some good stuff in here, believe it or not. And last, Proverbs 13, 20. Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. It's a good word. Look, 
I've said it a couple times, I'm going to say it again. I am not, I am not preaching this at you. Who am I? I got convicted every which way while I was preparing for this this week. As a matter of fact, I wasn't even supposed to speak today. Bailey and I had to switch last minute. This wasn't even supposed to be my topic. I do not think that it was a coincidence. So I am not up here on this stage looking down at you and saying, you're all doing really bad and I'm doing really good. That's not it at all. We are in this together, right? We want to learn. We want to grow. We want to live big and fruitful lives. But we have to acknowledge. We have to put in some work, right? Good intentions are not going to get us where we want to be with the Lord or where we want to be in our lives in general. You can have good intentions. That's not enough. My hope for us is that by becoming aware of these things, that we will have the wisdom to know which path to choose and the encourage to stay, the courage to stay the course. So I'm going to ask you some questions again. Band, you can come. Guys, this is going to be a miracle. We're going to be out of here so much earlier than we would be with my dad. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> I'm not even going to try it. Listen, I've never done this before, so I was like, it will be absolutely a miracle if I have to speak for 45 minutes. <laughs> Thank you. It was just not, it's not going to happen for me, but I'll get close. I'm going to ask you the questions again. Are there disconnects in your life? I want you to think about this and to pray about it. If you have the Real Life app, all of my notes are on there. You can look over that. If you're in life groups, you're going to talk about them. My life group is meeting tonight. We're going to break these down. I want you to meditate on these this week. Are there disconnects in your life? Are there discrepancies between what you desire in your heart and what you are doing with your life. Think about the action. And is there alignment between your intentions and your direction? Last week, Pastor Jim talked about getting lost on road trips, right? And when that happens, it's frustrating. But you can take the next exit. Sure, it might add some time, but you can turn around and you can get back on track, right? and then spend the remainder of your trip just trying to shave down the minutes that you added. Hello, somebody, that's me for sure. But when you get lost in life, when we get lost in life, we cannot backtrack. We don't just waste a minute or hours. We have the potential to waste seasons or to miss opportunities. Church, we have this one life this is it. This is my one shot. This is your one shot. And I have no idea how long I'm going to have to live it, and neither do you. Don't forget that. You only get one shot at being a parent. I still only get one shot at being a parent. <laughs> we only get one first marriage, one first real shot at it. Look, none of us want to wake up in our 50s or our 60s and wish that we had done something different or made different choices in our 20s, right? 
None of us want to arrive at the end of a marriage and wish that we had made better decisions in our dating years. None of us want to find ourselves in the middle of financial turmoil and wonder, how did I get here? What did I do wrong? I don't want that, you don't want that. So where do we start? We identify the disconnects in our life and we ask the Lord to reveal himself in them. Help us on the path. It does not mean that we're gonna get it right every single time. Of course, we know that. We know that there's gonna be moments. But you know what I love so much about God? We don't just screw up one time and then that's it, he's done with us, you blew it. No. All the way back in the very beginning with Adam and Eve, God knew before they even bit the fruit that they were gonna mess up. So he had a plan. He had an alternate route. He didn't just scrap them, throw them in the oops pile and make new humans, no. There were consequences, right? We experience them every day. Shout out Adam and Eve. <laughs> Thanks. But he didn't just give up. He does not give up on you. He does not give up on me. God knows you right where you are. He knows your struggles. He knows what it is that makes you tick. He's always going to be there to reroute, okay? Didn't want you to go that direction. You did that on your own, that's okay. Let's try again. You missed that one, that's all right. Uh, this is gonna hurt for a little while. It might take you off course for a couple of years, hello? But there is always a path to God available. It is at no cost to you, no money down. It's up to us to decide, this is the path I want. God, help me. Reveal it to me, show it to me. Bring people around me, give me the courage, give me the strength to surround myself with people who are going to speak life into me, not death. Oh, but that's not me. That's not true. God did not make you that way. God did not design us to be separate from one another or better than anybody, no. We have an opportunity to live a life full of joy and love, thankfulness. That's what God intends for us. And we've got it made here in America that we get to make those decisions. There are people all around the world who are, who are desperate things like this, who are lost, who are hurting, who are dying, who are desperate for a savior or for a path to be revealed for them. So we have a chance now while there's breath in our lungs. While I'm alive, I wanna live to serve the Lord the best way that I can. That's my hope. I'm not always gonna get it right. I'm gonna disappoint you. I'm gonna offend you. I'm gonna play a song that you don't like. I'm sorry, it's going to happen. We are imperfect people 
who serve a perfect God. And the words that he wrote in scripture, the life that was breathed into this book is still available. It's still available, it is still alive, it is still working and moving. But it's up to us. You just say when. I'm here, we're here. We're here to get you on the right path, set you up as best as we can, surround you with people who can help you in those moments to live a full life, to live a life of joy, no longer living in darkness or in bitterness. That's not what this life is. At least that's not what my God wants it to be. So that's my prayer for us today. Before we go, I want you to think about the things in life, the areas in your life where there's a disconnect. What are your thoughts? What are your goals? What are your dreams? I hope you have some dreams. I know I do. And I also know where I'm doing a really bad job at getting to them. So let's start now. Identify those areas. Find the disconnect. Walk on a path of freedom. Can we do that together? Yes. Will you pray with me this morning? Jesus, I thank you so much that every time I screw up, you don't give up on me. Thank you for always laying out a path for me. God, I pray that you would speak to our hearts, those of us that are in the room, those of us watching online, those of us listening to the podcast. God, reveal the areas in our life where we have disconnects and help us, guide us, show us how to get back on track, headed in your direction, God, away from a life of darkness or of sin. God, I pray that you help us, that you equip us to be strong. Surround us with those here in the church or those in our lives that will breathe life into us as you do that we may live freely in your love, Jesus, in your arms, the life that you have intended for us, a life of love, a life of joy, a life of freedom. Speak to us right now, Holy Spirit. We don't wanna miss a moment with you, not a single moment. I pray, God, that you give us the courage and the strength to put in the work and the action that is needed to identify those places in our life. Maybe it's just simply dropping them at your feet, finally taking off those chains that are holding us back or holding us down and giving them to you, fully repenting, fully walking away and breathing in your love, breathing in your forgiveness. If that's what it is, God, help us to do that today. Help us to walk out of this place knowing that we are loved, even 
even when we mess up, even when we choose the wrong path, God, we know that you love us. So God, reveal these things to us this week. God, I pray over the life groups, Lord, that will be unpacking this this week together. As a group, Lord, I pray that you would bring breakthrough in those moments that we can help each other to grow stronger, to go closer to you, oh God. That's our heart, that's our desire. Speak to us. God, I thank you for this church. I thank you for these people, God, for this family before me. I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that you have given me to speak your words. I pray that they resonate, that they walk with us, they go with us throughout this week. God, I pray a blessing over each and every one of the people in this room and on the live stream, whether you're watching it now or you're watching it later. Be blessed. Know that you are so, so loved by a good, good father. So Jesus, I ask and I pray all of this in your name, in your holy, holy name, and his church said, amen.